the gladiator mentality and people look at us like, oh, okay, really? Right, yeah, really. Well, let's do this Diamond Envy podcast. I'm your host, Tyler McComas. Diamond Envy, as always, you guessed it, brought to you by Cavens Group. Check them out at cavensgroup.com. A lot to get into today, but let's let's start here, okay? Let's start with some very unfortunate news that happened earlier this week. And yes, I know that she transferred away from Oklahoma in the offseason, and there are a lot of people upset by that decision. But regardless of how you feel about what Jordy Ball did going back to Nebraska, you got to feel for her. I mean, just what terrible news that was revealed earlier this week as Jordy Ball has torn her ACL she did it on opening day, and she will be out for the remainder of the year and uh, will redshirt this season at Nebraska. Just just terrible. And and this is what her statement said. In game one of opening weekend in Puerto Vallarta, I experienced an injury to my ACL that is going to cause me to support the red team in a different way than anticipated for the 2024 season. With a heart thankful for God's plan and timing, I will be redshirting this year and looking forward to a season of growth and learning from a different point of view. I'm thankful for the support of my family, friends, and coaches and staff. I'm truly blessed to have so many wonderful and loving people in my life. I'm not going anywhere. See you in 2025. Go Big Red. Now, this doesn't have to be 10 minutes of talking about Jordy Ball's decision. I think we've covered that enough. Now, I will say that there's a right way and a wrong way to leave places, and I do think Jordy Ball left in the right way, especially after winning a couple of national championships. But I'm not going to try to convince anyone like how I feel about her leaving. Not that I loved it, but I can understand it like she wanted to go home. The point is, regardless of how you feel about it, you still re respect her as a person, as a player, and you just feel for her that this is a very, very, very unfortunate injury that she suffered in Mexico last weekend. So, prayers up for Jordy Ball. Hopefully she has a full recovery. Hopefully she's back to 100% next year. And uh, like Patty said, I still think her best softball is uh, is maybe even in front of her. And, and in case you didn't hear, this is what Patty Gasso said on the matter. Horrible for anybody, really. And, you know, Jordy went through injuries as a freshman and this. Uh, but I just, you know, you wish her well. She was sitting at the airport with our team, talking with our team. So um, there's still the memories, the last memory they had was singing on stage with Toby Keith. And that's something that they will cherish, especially now forever. And so there's this bond that they still have because you're in the battlefields together. And everyone here wishes her well, wishes speedy recovery. I'm sure she'll come back knowing her better than she ever has. So there you go. Um, Patty was asked about it earlier this week. That's what she said. And as I've said a few times already, uh, you know, just best wishes out there to Jordy that she'll recover. And uh, hopefully we'll get an OU Nebraska game at some point in her career. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But let's uh, recap a little bit more what happened this past weekend for OU. A 4-0 weekend, wins over Washington and Duke, two top 10 wins. And if you listen at all to Sunday's episode, like kind of my main point was, all right, here's the positive way to look at things. You know, that was not in any way OU's best performance. They went 4-0 on the weekend. They won two games against two top 10 teams. But the pitching all around wasn't as sharp as I think it will be. 
Um, there were some defensive mistakes that we haven't seen in recent years, and I don't think that is going to be a norm here moving forward. Really, my main overall point over the weekend was they didn't play their best softball. In fact, I think far from it. And still, you were able to go 4-0, including a couple of wins over top 10 teams. Like That's the point. This team continues to win games not playing at their best. They're able to play a C-plus, B-minus game and still able to get wins over big-time teams. So I said that, and I thought it was interesting Patty was asked about that earlier this week because I don't think Patty didn't think that they played a perfect weekend either. In fact, she asked her team how they felt about the performance, and here's what they said. I asked the team today to rank our performance 1 to 10. I had a lot of 4s, I had a lot of 5s, and I had a few 6s. And we just beat two top 10 teams with that level of performance. It's something to look at and go, hey, okay. They were not happy, but they competed, and that's what's important to me. So um, it's a good start, absolutely a good start. And to me, I, I would say we were probably at a five-plus. So interesting, right? Like the, the expectations they have for themselves is so incredibly high, so I'm not at, at all surprised to hear that there were some low marks that they graded themselves or graded themselves at over the weekend. Now, I think that could be potentially bad news for the teams that they're going to run into this weekend in Lake Charles, right? Because as we've seen in the past, maybe OU doesn't play their best game or have their best weekend, but they normally come back and play a lot better, a lot cleaner. It's still early in the season, still some things to figure out. No, like, yes, do I expect this team to play better this weekend? Yeah, I, th I think I do. I think some of the defensive mishaps won't happen. I think pitching all around will look sharper. It will look better. Do I think that we're going to see the absolute best version of this team in Lake Charles? No, they're not a they're not a finished product, and they don't need to be at this point in the season either. But I do think it's potentially bad news for the teams in Lake Charles that, well, you have the unanimous number one team in the country coming in on a 57-game win streak. They're really good. But also, you got to think that this team is going into uh, this weekend with something to prove to themselves. They don't need to prove anything nationally. I, I think everyone knows what this team is. It's the best team in the sport. But I think they're, they're out this weekend to prove to themselves that we're capable of a lot better play, consistently a lot better than what we showed this past weekend. So that's one thing um, before we really take a dive into the Cowgirl Challenge here in Lake Charles is that's what I'm looking for overall is just inning-to-inning, pitch-to-pitch consistency, maybe like they didn't have in Mexico. And I'm not saying it was terrible, it was bad. I mean, they, they went 4-0 and and they found some ways to win. I absolutely think some good things came out of Mexico this past weekend. Being up against it like you were against Washington, finding a way to win, getting a clutch, out, uh, clutch hit from Riley Boone, Kelly Maxwell looking like a star, there were some really good things that came out of this past weekend. I just don't think that that was their best. And I, I don't really think anyone's going to disagree with me on that. Essentially, the entire team agrees. Patty agrees. I've seen a lot of your tweets out there. You agree as well. So it's exciting to say, well, they keep winning, but what does their best softball look like? And we've seen what the best OU softball looks like in the past, and I'm excited to see what this particular team, this version of OU softball looks like when they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, also last week, some, some good things to come out of last weekend. Some of these newcomers, you know, 
I thought you got a really good performance out of Carly Keeney this weekend. And I was already really excited about her, but how could you not even be more excited for what she did over the weekend? And, and some of these, other, you know, Peyton Monticelli as well. Um, but, of course, we talked about over this weekend as well what Cassidy Pickering did in her first ever at-bat. All she did was hit a grand slam in her first ever at-bat at OU. And I was trying to think back of who's had a memorable debut, not just with OU softball, but for all OU athletics. And we brought up DeMarco's first game at OU. He scored a ton of touchdowns. Sam Bradford setting records in his first game. Jalen Hurts with an unbelievable uh, game in his first start at Oklahoma. But for a true freshman to do that is a little bit different. And I asked you out there, and you responded. I said, hey, can you can, can you guys think of anyone else who's their OU debut in softball and, and just had an incredible display or, or an incredible game? And, of course, Sooner Shy says, talking about all-time starts, you got to talk Tiare Jennings. Two-run home run in her first bat as a Sooner, followed by two more home runs in a single, four for four in her debut. She never slowed down. Love the Diamond Envy episodes this weekend. Going to be a great season. Hashtag Boomer Sooner. Thank you, Sooner Shy, for saying the last part there, that you love the episodes over the weekend, and for saying, yeah, how did I overlook Tiare Jennings? One of the stars on this team. I guess it just feels like she's been at OU forever because she's played in so many games and played in so many championships, essentially. So I guess I overlooked that one a little bit. But yeah, Tiare. We didn't have to wait a long time to find out that Tiare Jennings was a really, really good softball player. We kind of knew immediately. And, and that was kind of my point, too, about Cassidy Pickering. And not to put just unreasonable expectations on her career, but if you hit a grand slam, one, if you're starting for OU your freshman year, in a year like this where they're so loaded and talented again, you're pretty good. If you figure out a way into a lineup your freshman year period against a team like this, you got some talent. But if you're able to do it game one of the season and find yourself as a starter, you're really good. And I can't help but think, okay, you hit a grand slam in your first ever at-bat, that's got to be a clue to us that she's going to have an amazing career and maybe be that next list of big-time names we've seen around here after you have T.R.A., Jada, um, Kelly Maxwell now, right, uh, Kinsey Hansen, and so many of, the, of these other players move on. Like It was almost a hint, like, hey, Cassidy Pickering, just to kind of let you guys know, here, here's Grand Slammer first at bat, you know, good career is going to come. Like. That was my point. Is like I feel like that was a hint, and clearly that could have been a hint a few years ago when Tiare has that just incredible game to start her career. And it's worked out where Tiare Jennings, if I would have said that about her in her first game, turns out it was true. Like It was a heck of a hint that she was going to have a great career at OU, and she's not done just yet. But to go back to the good things that happened over the weekend in Mexico, did anything better happen and throw Cassidy Pickering in this mix, sure. But did anything better, anything happen that was better than Kelly Maxwell? Big 12 pitcher of the week. Seven and two-thirds shutout innings. Opponents were one of 23 against her. Again, she pitched against the two top 10 teams. She pitched against the best two teams that OU faced last weekend, and she looked absolutely dominant. Seventh Big 12 pitcher of the week honor in her career. Um, I have heard from some people that were there that um, the ball was moving quite well. 
that, you know, they some of the pitches that she was throwing, the movement that she was getting on those pitches was, okay, I knew that she was good, but how good she already is, wow, watch out. And it's so early in the year, you don't need to know who your ace is right now. But maybe we already know with Kelly Maxwell. Like, I still think Nicole May is going to play a big part of this team. Kirsten Deal is. I mean, there's so many pitchers that they can go to in so many different situations. But Kelly Maxwell looked like the best that OU had. Clutch situations. And, and I think that's a big thing, too, is you can understand Kelly Maxwell that she had some nerves in her first weekend in an OU uniform. But it didn't show it. She was completely clutch in big-time situations. And that's a big thing here moving forward is, will OU face tougher environments this year than what they saw in Mexico? Absolutely. Yeah. They still got to go to Austin in April. You still got the postseason run in front of you. But Kelly Maxwell showed, and maybe this isn't all that surprising for someone who's pitched as many innings as she's had over her career, you almost say, okay, when we get down the road and we get in tough situations and games, Maybe Kelly's who we turn to in clutch situations. Tough road game environments. She looked really, really good this weekend. And it's almost like she was at her best when the situations were at the toughest. I mean, coming in and doing what she did in that Washington game last Friday night, I'm, I was already sold, but I'm, I'm really bought in now. Like, forget about her bitch being, you know, maybe the best pitcher on this team. And, and I, maybe it's a little bit too premature to put her in Nyjah Kennedy status. But I think Kelly Maxwell is absolutely one of the top five pitchers in the sport this year, and maybe even top three. Maybe even top three. And I've made this point before, but let's see Kelly Maxwell when she has an elite defense like OU behind her. She had a good defense at Oklahoma State, no doubt, but not like the one that she has at Oklahoma this year. So excited to see um, more and more what Kelly Maxwell is uh, is all about. Uh, D1 softball rankings are out this week. How about Oklahoma at one and Texas at two? Yeah, I know. I hate him too. I hate Mike White just like you do. <laughs> Trust me. I, I think most of you know that. But Texas got a pretty good softball team this year. They went out to California last weekend and looked the parts. Really did look the part. Now, I, I think it's pretty obvious that this is not a banner UCLA team. And maybe UCLA is down compared to most years. Early in the year, they've got some time to figure it out. But Texas looked really good. OU at one, Texas at two, Tennessee at three. Oklahoma State looked good. They're at four. And then Georgia at five. Washington and Duke, I think they both moved up after playing close games against OU. Like, OU is so good. It's like, okay, we don't expect you to beat them. Well, we don't expect you to beat them. But if you just play them close, then, yeah, we might move you up in the rankings. And now Washington's at six, Duke is at seven. Florida State at eight, LSU at nine, Clemson at ten. And it's just insane to see how many SEC or future SEC teams are in the top 25. Let's count them. OU at one, Texas at two, Tennessee at three, Georgia at four, You've got LSU at 5, uh, Missouri at 6, Bama at 7, Kentucky at 8. You've got Arkansas at 9, or excuse me, 18. You've got South Carolina at 20. You've got Florida at 23, A&M. Uh, like half the top 25 teams are current or future SEC teams. It's insane. If, you, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times here, that the Pac-12 is still good. Washington's got a good team this year. We saw that. 
Not a banner UCLA team. Oregon's got a good squad. Utah's really good. Stanford as well. But it's all about this sport is dominant in the Southeast now. And even the teams that aren't in the SEC, Duke's in the top eight. Florida State's in the top eight. This is a sport now that is dominated by the East and the Southeast. And these rankings continually show it. Continually show it. But Oklahoma and Texas, a 1-2 matchup in April, how exciting would that be? Would that not be big time? Maybe OU still got the winning streak intact. I don't know how many games that would be exactly, but it'd be way north of 60 games at that point. I think we'd be north of 70 as well, approaching 80. What a big time series that would be in Austin. OU at one and Texas at two. Sign me up for that one, please. And somehow Mike White would make himself look like the jack wagon that he is, but I'm here for that. We expect that. I'm here for that if Mike White does something stupid once again this year. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're good. Oklahoma State's good. So, though the rest of the non-conference schedule doesn't look daunting, your Big 12 schedule is going to be difficult with Texas at 2, Oklahoma State at 4, and, of course, Baylor uh, coming in at 17. But it could be a while before you face another top 25 team. Of course, that Texas series is a little less than two months away. Maybe that's the next top 25 team that you face, but it's just not a murderer's row of non-conference opponents that we saw last year. Felt like, oh, you played like half of the SEC teams last year. Not the case this year. Not necessarily the case this year. But who cares? It's about this team. It's it's not about who they're facing. At, at this point, it's about this team's ability to play consistent softball game in and game out, regardless of who the opponent is. And they've been they they found a way to do that for several years now, and that's the goal of this non-conference schedule. Is regardless of who's on the other side, and this weekend it'll be Central Arkansas, McNeese State, and Lamar, play a more consistent brand of softball than you did the previous week. But that's what we got coming up this week: Cowgirl Challenge in Lake Charles. All the games are on ESPN Plus. Hallelujah. No flow softball here. All on ESPN+. Plus. Friday at 3.30. Got a little bit of an afternoon game against Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas 1-4 on the year. Losses to North Carolina Central, KU, South Alabama, and Notre Dame. Let's be honest here. OU should take care of business against Central Arkansas. Then you turn around at 6 p.m. on Friday night and play McNeese State. And if you're going to play a team that, that's good this weekend... If you're going to play a team that's going to give you any sort of trouble this weekend in Lake Charles, it's going to be McNeese State. 4-1 on the year. Their lone loss is to Cal, 5-2. They don't have an impressive win. But out of all the teams that you're going to face this weekend, McNeese State is the best team. You got them at 6 p.m. You'll turn around and play another doubleheader on Saturday. <laughs> Lamar at 1-30. Uh, Lamar split with Tennessee State and with Tarleton State last weekend. Then you'll turn around and play McNeese State again on Saturday night. Then it's Central Arkansas Sunday at 11 a.m. Now, this should not be a weekend that OU struggles. If, if you want to call that a hot take, that's fine. I'm not meaning to totally disrespect the opponents. That's not what I'm doing here. They've got good players, too, but not like OU. I mean, and it doesn't matter who OU is playing. OU could be playing Florida State, Missouri... Florida and Texas A&M this week, and I'd say the same thing. It's about this team being more consistent than they were last weekend playing their best brand of softball because guess what? Regardless if it's Central Arkansas or McNeese State or if it's Oklahoma State, Tennessee, it does not matter. If OU plays their brand of softball, they're going to win because they are the best team and they are the best coach team as well. 
So that's why I always say it's about this team. It's all about putting yourself in the best position to win another national championship at the end of the year. And these games matter in that, in getting some of your young players more reps, uh, getting the players coming back, getting them in a groove in the early season. If you're playing, like the best team I think that you're going to play is McNeese State, and I do think that. But take care of business. Go out and run rule them. I know Patty maybe doesn't want run rule in all five games. But go out and assert your dominance in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fans uh, out for that one to get a glimpse of the show that is OU softball. And then we got the Mary Nutter next week, which is uh, always a lot of fun. And we'll talk about that one next week uh, when next, next week rolls around. But, uh, yeah, another big weekend coming up, ESPN+. Plus. Like I said, I'm excited to get to watch that. And I'm excited to see what the OU softball account puts out here over the course of the next few weeks. Opening at uh, Love's Field is approaching. The new Oklahoma scoreboard is amazing. Looks like they're making some progress over there at Love's Field. First games uh, will be inside that park this year. And OU softball is uh, joining, uh, like looking back at some of the favorite moments at Marita Hines Field, which I think is uh, I think is pretty cool. Number one Patty Gasso fan says, I remember Kaylee Clifton and Sidney Romero's home runs and the 2017 regional against Tulsa like it was yesterday. It was winner go home. Kaylee's home run tied the game and Sid's won it. They kept the season alive and route to national championship number four. Remember that game as well. I not going to say that it felt like OU was going to lose against Tulsa because OU is inevitable, right? It seems like they always find a way to come back. But that was pretty scary. It looked like you were going to potentially bow out in the in the regional, but OU overcame that one, got hot, and like number one Patty Gasso fan says, ends up winning a national championship. But how many iconic moments did you just have last year at Marita Hines Field, the last full year inside that place? You know, you had the comeback win over Texas on that Saturday uh, of course, maybe my favorite moment ever inside that place when Kinsey Hansen tied it up against Clemson in the Super Regional. But just last year alone, you had some epic moments at Marita Hines Field. And guess what, guys? You're going to have more iconic walk-offs, incredible moments at Love's Field. New memories will be built inside this park, and it'll probably happen as soon as this year. So the moments that they come up with uh, is, is going is to be pretty cool. College soft, or excuse me, college football video game. I guess uh, is the big news today being released. When are we going to get a college softball game? When are we going to get a college softball game where I can go four for four with three home runs with T. R. A. Jennings, with Kenzie Hansen, with Alyssa Brito, and some of the other players on this team? I'm a huge college football fan, and I can't wait for the college football video game to come out. Even though I'll probably never play it, but here is my formal request for a college softball video game. And video game numbers is something that we always say the OU offense puts out, but somehow the OU softball numbers on the video game would be less than the actual performances on the field because the numbers, offensive not numbers are so gaudy uh, at times. It's insane. 57 straight, unanimous number one, and they're going to take it to the state of Louisiana this weekend. As always, appreciate all the tweets, all the shares of the podcast. Keep them coming. Let me know your comments about the games throughout the weekend, and I'll share them on Sunday when uh, when I record as soon as the uh, as soon as the game is over against Central Arkansas. Keep those coming, and we'll talk to you later this weekend right here on the Diamond Envy Podcast. As always, thank you 
to Cavens Group for being the title sponsor of the pod. We'll see you on Sunday right here on the Diamond Envy Podcast. <laughs>